preach on greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, especially the, king, the kissing side. <laughs> Uh, but uh, truly, truly delighted uh, because uh, this church, uh, what many of you may not know, has uh, really, really had a huge impact uh, in my life, uh, in our ministry, uh, in Kampala. I, I want you to know uh, there are things that God did through you in opening my eyes to some of the challenges and opportunities for ministry in Kampala. I can still remember uh, way before my eyes were as clearly opened to the uh, situation of the slums in the city of Kampala uh, when uh, David came. Uh, Kalere, you, those of you who have heard and know about Kalere, uh, uh, that amazing place. And it's actually David who came and slept there. And uh, amazing things happened. And because of him, I went and spent a week, a uh, whole week of 2010, and I can tell you that week is one of the most important weeks in my entire life. But who opened my eyes? It's you people in sending uh, David and many other people that you've shared with us in St. Nicholas Calere, uh, in Muhabura Diocese in Kisoro, which is my uh, village home where I grew up, and the amazing, amazing ways in which through Caris, uh, 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 the kids, the ministry, family, I really, really simply want to say to you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, it's, so, it's a joy to be back here. It truly is a joy. I'm so delighted uh, to be among you. And um, so I'd like to greet you, if you recall. I think this may be my fourth time preaching here. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, I, am always, uh, I always like to remind you uh, how I learned how to greet. And it's really nothing very creative. It's peace be with you. And your response is going to be hallelujah. I remember it's uh, Bishop Festo, or one of my mentors, uh, who said, uh, if I was one of the disciples uh, locked up in the upper room, afraid uh, because Jesus had been crucified, my master and Lord, and then to see him, and he says, peace be with you. And Festo said to us, I would have shouted hallelujah. So, here is the invitation. I will say peace be with you, and your response is hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. But I'd like to invite you to do one or two other things. First of all, to lift up holy hands to the Lord. This is a good time to do it. So when you say hallelujah, you do what? Lift up those hands, holy hands to the Lord. If they don't feel holy, especially students, I understand, I totally understand, but thanks for coming to church. That's where they are claimed, you know? So, lift up holy hands to the Lord. Peace be with you. Hallelujah. No, I actually know you can be louder, especially when you are shouting for football or the other things. Let's do it here. Peace be with you. Hallelujah. And it's not complete until the third time. Peace be with you. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. As I was thinking about time to be with you here, and I've been really working through, uh, it's been a message, a passage that has, uh, in many ways, revolutionized my life, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's changed the way I think about prayer. It's changed the way I see the world. And what I share with you is part of my journey. Uh, we all pray that prayer, don't we? Put up your hands. The Lord's Prayer, you do, you do. 
If you didn't, I would talk to the vicar. I would really talk to him. Uh, no, no, I would talk to the bishop about you. <laughs> you know, the Lord's Prayer. But as I think about it, um, you know, prayer is an amazing thing. Prayer in the Jewish context was the very heart of Jewish religion. Prayer was that marked, ordered time. And so there was the prayer in the morning every three hours, the five hours. Prayer as that which ordered time, which ordered life. So prayer within the Jewish tradition was really the center of what we call today spirituality. But it's a center of devotion to God. But there's something more about prayer. Prayer in a way in which it reflected what matters most. I mean, isn't it true for all of us? God is awesome. God is wonderful. God is every. He is the creator. There's a sense in which we come to him to tell him the most important things in our lives. So there is a sense in which, in order to know what matters to you, maybe the best place to listen in is when you are praying. Sometimes I would wish to really be the fly on the wall uh, to hear how you are praying. To be able to hear what your heart, how your heart beats, what the passion of your life is, what your ambitions are, what your hopes, your fears as well, because we bring them all to God. And that itself is true. For in the way in which Luke introduces this that we have come to know now as the Lord's Prayer, it actually is introduced in a way in which one of the disciples has been hearing Jesus pray. And there is something astounding about the way Jesus is praying. There is something about Jesus' life and Jesus' prayer. Notice it's simply unbelievable. It's radical stuff. It's unlike anything that they know of, of the other rabbis. And so this disciple says, Lord Teach us to pray. And it is important to recognize, and it's consistent in all translations, it is not, Lord, teach us how to pray, but rather, teach us to pray. There is a sense in which there is something about Jesus' life that is consistent with praying. In fact, it's possible to say Jesus' entire life is prayer. That's why the disciple says, teach us. To pray. Maybe a footnote there. It seems to me that the greatest challenge for many of us is not how to pray. It's just to pray. Just pray. And maybe there is a much deeper problem that I hope our eyes will be opened to. So the disciple is looking at Jesus. He's seen his life. And I wonder whether the things that are confusing the disciple are the kinds of relationships, the kinds of people Jesus hangs out with. So Jesus has time with prostitutes. You remember them? Guys, you read your Bibles, don't you? Please name one of them. Hello? Rahab. Rahab. No, no, no. Rahab is much older. He's not, he's not in the old. Who is the other? You, know, the, you remember that lady who comes and pours a wonderful perfume and kisses the legs and everything and everything? Please, you can, I mean, I'm sure she wanted to do more. Absolutely. If you're a serious woman and wanting a man, you don't just kiss the legs, you know. But Jesus, the way he handles it, it's just awesome. <laughs> of course. 
I mean, you understand? Who does Jesus hang out with? He's a tax collector. The guy who has stolen so much money. And instead of doing some things that a Jewish rabbi would do, he says, I'm going to have a night in your house. And this is all troubling. But all this does not compromise who he is. So it seems to me there is something about who Jesus is and his praying that causes the disciple to say, teach us to pray. It's something about his life. Hence, radical praying, radical living. It's about his life. And so I suggest it is about our lives. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is introduced in an amazing way, in a different way. And there in the passage that was so beautifully read for us, he says, when you pray, do not be like hypocrites. Wow. It seems to suggest that how you pray, when you pray, the words you use, your prayer life is an expression of who you really are. And he says, do not be like. All right, let's check this out. Hypocrites. I'm always fascinated by this passage. When you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray. Let's even stop there. Guys, hypocrites love to pray. Do you love to pray? Put up your hands. You love to pray. Hello. Hypocrites love to pray. Are you sorted? In other words, that you pray is no mark. That you pray, I used to be frightened by people who used to pray and really pray amazingly. And they would say, I pray. Jesus says, hypocrites love to pray. And this is the tragedy. Let me say it this way. There's so much that goes for church life that is simply hypocrisy. Oh, they do, we do, they do, we do, hello, we do. We put up services, we put up all sorts of things. And Jesus says, here is the trouble with hypocrites. They do it very well. They do it very well. Why? Because they do it for sure. They perfect the business. They like to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, so that they can be seen by others. I, I shudder that there are many, many churches that are simply showbiz. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward already. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Pray to daddy. Pray to papa. We'll come back to that very soon. Who is unseen. And then, verse 7, he says, when you pray, a second group, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Guys, pagans pray. Who are pagans? In Jewish understanding, pagans were simply Gentiles, people who did not know Yahweh, the God of Israel. And Jesus says, hey, you pray, you pride yourselves to be people of God, of the Jewish faith, people who know Yahweh, you have a history, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you pray, and Jesus says, surprise, even Gentiles, those who do not know God, pray. And let me tell you, when they pray, the seriousness is astounding. They use many 
complicated words, very many. Do you know the guys who spend long sessions of prayer? Hello. They have very many words. They are amazing. Jesus says, that's what pagans do. You know the thing about pagans? They think they can persuade God by their many words. They think, in fact, and just in case you think it's the other people, it's you and I. Have you caught yourself in prayer telling God, God, you know. Hello, God, you know. And then also you think there is a passage of scripture you need to remind God about. And you say, God, the Bible says. God, the Bible says. Okay, hello, who needs to know what the Bible says? Is it God or you? We quote the Bible to God. Now it's okay, please quote it, provided you know you're quoting it to yourself. The many words, no, no, no. God, have you forgotten that in your word you say, hello, please. It's only pagan gods that need reminding about his word. Pagans pray. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Why? Because your father, your father knows. Okay, so what have you been praying about? And every day you go back to it. Please stop it. That's what pagans do. You prayed once, done. Hallelujah. Just wait for the answer. Whenever it comes, daddy knows. And he cares. Okay, let's go to the prayer. This then is how you should pray. Okay. Our Father. This is radical. Our Father. The real translation is Abba. It's Daddy. It's Papa. Reminds me when, as a younger man, my kids were younger. And, and you know when they are younger, they are really awesome. Uh, no statement about you older people. No statement. But you know how you get complicated the older you grow? I can see my friend here, Annie. You, you know, when you were younger, you were not as complicated as you are now. Uh, Annie is my friend. But you know how you, when you get older, <laughs> you really, so my kids, amazing kids. So I would be, I, I really had to be very careful coming home at the end of the day because uh, there are three of them, Joshua, Grace, and Abigail. And I spent the whole day, they've been at home, daddy's coming home, and there's a driveway up to our house, right, you know, and literally the gate is open, and it's daddy, 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 daddy. And it's like, wow, now they don't, you know. It's like, you know, <laughs> open the door. Daddy, do you get it, friends? He is our daddy. Jesus says, he is daddy. Run to him, daddy. He is papa. And this is the problem with hypocrites and pagans. They don't realize he's daddy. They relate to him as though he needs cajoling, he needs persuading, he needs pushing, he needs patience. No, he is daddy who longs to embrace you. Daddy. Next time you say our father, just change it and say daddy. See how it does to you. Daddy. Hello, say it to your neighbor, daddy. He's our daddy. Shall we say that together? Daddy. Hello, daddy. Now I'm not talking about the familiarity, but it's the recognition he's such a loving father. Daddy, in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First things first. Your name, your kingdom, your will. Let's check our praying. What do we start with? My sickness, my church, my this and the other. You know what I'm talking about? A house, exams, papers. No, 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 no. You know, Daddy, if Daddy is the passion of your life, if it's all about him in your life, the preoccupation, the chief ambition, the passion, Jesus says is this, your name. Your name. What is in a name? What is in a name? It's the person. It's the character. It's what you stand for. Those of us who are older and are closer to the grave than the others who think they are not. You want to leave a name, don't you? Those of us who are 60 plus, put up your hands. You want to leave a name, don't you? Hello. Don't you want to leave a name? What's it about? It's about who you are. What you stand for. The values. The things that matter to you. You want them to outlive you. And Jesus says, the preoccupation of a child of God, of a disciple of Jesus Christ, one who names Jesus, is his name, is his glory, is who he is, that he may be known anywhere, everywhere, at work, at church, in the workplace, in the world. Daddy, may your name be glorified. Your name. May your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Now, the problem of this thing called kingdom is, is difficult, especially when we are living in earthly kingdoms. Uh, I, I come from Uganda, a country once colonized by Great Britain. To be very honest with you, I know you love your kings, you love your queens, hallelujah, please, but keep them for yourselves, please keep them. <laughs> Please keep them. No offense, Med, is that okay? <laughs> but no, you, we were colonized. We don't have a good memory, I am telling you. No, the world doesn't think they were great, no. Now, okay, so we have another one in America is make America great again. Lord, have mercy. You know, make America great. You know kingdoms, Roman kingdom, you know kingdoms, kingdoms. And that's the problem. When you read your kingdom come, and I bear with you, especially those of you in the younger generation in your 18s and 20s, I know I understand you when you hate the language of kingdom. Because the kingdoms of this world, what we see, is nothing to be proud of. But now they are Chinese also. Lord have mercy. But kingdom, the kingdom of God, your kingdom, is not about the same nature and rule of the world. Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Now, again, the translation didn't really get it right because often when we think about righteousness in contemporary English, we are thinking about uprightness. And by uprightness, some sense of Piety. You know, the people are righteous. They pray a lot. They fast a lot. Piety. No, that's not what righteousness is in Scripture. In fact, the translation ought to be justice. 
And those of you who know some French know that anywhere righteousness appears, it's translated in the French, more rightly, justice. So the kingdom of God is justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Justice. The rule of God, you see, reflects the character of God. And who is God? God is love. Hallelujah. And those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. God is love. What else do we know about God? God is justice. Not just just. The translation, God is just ought to actually read, God is justice. God loves because he is love. God is just because he is justice itself. And then God is holiness. In other words, the reign of God, the rule of God, is unlike that of the British or the Americans or the Ugandans or any, because God's rule is the rule of love. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. God's love is the rule of justice in which everyone flourishes, in which there is nobody excluded, in which the rich and the poor, the lame and the abled, anyone, black, white, yellow, hallelujah, is the rule that equalizes. There is no inequality in God's reign. God's rule is a just rule. In God's economy, there should be no poverty. In God's economy, there should be none excluded. In God's economy, he's provided for humanity all we need. So why so much poverty in Africa, Latin America, in downtown London, anywhere? It's because of greed. I came here during the Make Poverty Campaign history, Make Poverty History Campaign. And I said, no, the tragedy of the world is not poverty. The tragedy of the world is greed. Brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is a Make Greed History Campaign. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will. God's will, that the child of God, the passion of their lives is God's will. God's will be done. And God's will reflects God's love, God's justice. So this, your name, your kingdom, your will be done where? On earth. Where? On earth. Which is your bit of the earth? Winchester. Which is the bit of your earth? United Kingdom. My bit of the earth is Uganda, is Africa. But actually, God has broadened my world. This too is the bit of the earth where I am. Your kingdom come where on earth? Here is a tragedy. Is that Christians have been known for focusing on heaven. Oh, we are going to heaven. We must prepare for heaven. No, hello. The gospel, the good news is calling upon the Lord. Your kingdom, your will, your name be glorified where? Here on earth. In Winchester, in the United Kingdom. That's what the believer seeks. Have you got this? Thus far, 
It's about him. Thus far, it's all about his name, his kingdom. And I tell you why. Because if you focus on him, on his name, his kingdom, the rest is actually sorted. The, what follows is how it really works. How does this kingdom work? How does it work in our lives? And so Jesus says, pray, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us, forgive us, lead us, us, us. Hello, can we say it together? Us. You know, I hope I'm saying it the right way. This English thing is, uh, is foreign to me. <laughs> All right? Is that all right? It's us. It's about us. Forgive us. Give us. Lead us. Let me challenge those of you of the contemporary culture. Is the loss of community, the loss of the us. Sometimes, I actually have many churches I go to. Uh, I'm so impressed with Christ Church. You have a few more songs that talk about us. But contemporary music is very difficult for me to sing because it's I, me, Lord, I love you, I worship you, I am yours, you are mine. Oh my goodness gracious, we don't even know how to sing together. Give us this day our daily bread. I wonder how you can really pray that prayer honestly. Let's be honest. We know where to find daily bread. It's where? In the fridge. Right? <laughs> Let's stop joking. It's in the fridge. <laughs> Just go there. Stop praying. You know where it is. Just go to the fridge and get it. No, I mean, we went to the shop the other day with my sister, Pippa here, and uh, she pulled out her phone to pay. She didn't pray. She's honest. She didn't pray. She just paid, you know? Because you have the money. Hello, don't you have the money? In fact, to the extent that some of the children who grow up in our homes, they think it's a joke when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's like, mommy, I actually know where the bread is. It's not with God. So how then can we pray that prayer? And here it is. It's because we have forgotten that it's not about this. This us. Us is about the other who is unlike you to be included. Remember how Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's about the neighbor being included in the us. And who is that neighbor? It's the one you don't like. It's the one you would rather hate. Remember? It's the Samaritan in the biblical teaching. Jesus says, love your enemies. Hello. In the us, Jesus says, include those who hate you. And then Jesus says, whatsoever you do to the least of these, you have done it to me. In other words, include those who when you love them, there is no benefit. There is no payback. If you lend them, they will not refund you. So don't try lending them. Just give them. Matthew chapter 25, you know those, that passage? 
I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was cold, you gave me where to sleep. What else did they say? I was in prison, you visited me. Jesus says, that's, those need to be included. So when we say, give us, it's the marginalized, it's the excluded, it's the hungry, it's the naked, it's the, marg- it's the stranger, it's the immigrant. You know the people that the laws of the United Kingdom want to send out? Those are the people when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's the people in Kalerwe who are part of the us. In other words, you cannot say you are satisfied until they are satisfied. Because they are part of us. God, forgive us for the greed, for the preoccupation with me and those who look like me. And that's why possibly they don't even come to our churches. They would never fit. They can't fit. Jesus says, no, they fit in his plan. Yes, in fact, so much so that Jesus says, whatsoever you do to the least of them, that you have done to me. In fact, he says this, that the basis of deciding who is in and who is out, you know, in eternity, what is the basis? It's not those who prayed hard. It's not those who went on a mission trip. It's not those who, all the spiritual things that we do know. It's you cared for the sick. You, you shared So you have a fridge that is full. Hallelujah. Don't pray, give us, unless you are committed to give away. That's how to pray that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Forgive us. Now again, we have a tragedy, especially in the evangelical community, because we've reduced sins to those personal sins, personal moral sins. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that when you terrorize, you have not sinned, or you sleep with somebody you should not sleep with, or you sleep in the wrong, you know what I'm talking about, those moral sins. They are definitely sins, no question, they don't please God. But the tragedy is we think that those are the real, real things for which we must repent. We've forgotten that there are things we have participated in, we participate in, there are systems and structures that keep people marginalized, poor, that keep people excluded, that keep the world the way in which it is. We live in a world that is characterized by inequality, by strife, by injustice, by greed, and you and I are participants in it to the extent by the way in which we live. Jesus says, when you pray, say, forgive us. For the world is as it is, because you and I are not sharing what God has given of us. Forgive us, O Lord, for our greed. Forgive us for our self-centeredness. Forgive us for focusing on ourselves, Lord. Forgive us for thinking the world is just about us. Forgive us. And it's together. Forgive us. As we also forgive Oh, I wish we had time. We could talk about reconciliation. How he is God who reconciles. So the believer has no problem with the other. 
Because you see, because you see, the one who trusts in Jesus and prays forgive us as we forgive is in the business of building bridges and breaking down walls. I suggest to you, it should be Christians in this country, Jesus' people, challenging the laws of immigration that keep people out. Reconciliation. It's a tragedy when you have black churches, white churches, rich churches, poor churches. No, forgive us for having a church of the middle class, the upper class. Forgive us. That can't be God's will. Because God desires for us to find on the cross together. Remember the bread we break. The sharing in the body of Christ. There is no black or white or yellow. Or... Racism is simply a creation of human beings. There is only one human family created in the image of God with one earth on which we all must live and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us. I think there was a conversation around as to whether Pope Francis challenging the way in which this is translated, lead us not into temptation. And I think he was right to say that it couldn't be that God, to pray that he does not lead us into temptation as though God leads us in temptation at all. But it's this, lead us not, do not allow us to be tested beyond what we can bear. Do not, O oh Lord. And by the way, brothers and sisters, to pray this prayer is not just about you, it's about us. There are brothers and sisters in the world who are so tested, who are so tested, who are, have a choice to believe or to abandon and be safe. Lord, do not allow us to be tested beyond what we can bear. Lord, let there be enough food so we do not give up on trusting you. Lord, let there not be thugs who control power. I can tell you in my country, thugs and thieves are in charge of power. I'm not discussing yours, because you have yours as well. Sometimes I have this notion that it's third world, third world. Hello? Please, let's, let's not get there, you know. People being tempted beyond. People are jailed for, oh, the other day in my own country, two young kids, two young boys were shot by the police for simply standing against the government. What do you think about their parents? Lord, grant that we shall not be tested beyond what we can be. Brothers and sisters, the faith in which we are is a solidarity. Do not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus continues with the priority of, re of reconciliation. If you forgive other people, they will if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. I could go on. Let me say this to you. If you look at that passage that was so beautifully read to us, this is the way I would like to conclude. Can you count how many times Father is mentioned in that passage? I counted, of course, because I was preparing to come and speak. Eight times, eight times. 
Hallelujah. He's our daddy. He's our daddy. He wants us to know that way. And so as we conclude, here is what the daddy wants of us. Is to repent. Is to say, forgive us indeed. For we focus on ourselves. The only right response in this prayer for us to pray is the prayer of repentance. Indeed, forgive us. For our ambitions, our priorities are not about you. This is what prayer is about, brothers and sisters. It is realigning our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our passions, realigning them to God's will, God's kingdom, God's name. God help us. Secondly, to commit, to say, I can't be the same. Look at your wardrobe, look at your books, look anywhere. You must decide. You can't continue just that way. For then you are the hypocrite or the pagan who doesn't know daddy who loves. And then finally, I tell you, it is possible. Why? Because you and I don't have to do it in our power. It's the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the version of Luke, he says this. Which father, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, Luke chapter 11, verse 13, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You and I have hope. This life is possible. A life in which it's his name, his glory. It's his kingdom that we seek on earth. It's his will that we want to seek and walk into. It is possible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been given. So it is for you and I to surrender our lives to be lives in the Spirit. God, give us grace. Let us pray. Your name, your kingdom, your will, oh Lord, oh Lord, forgive us when we have other than you that is our passion but ourselves. Forgive us, oh Lord, when it's about me and not the us, when it's about me and the people who are like me and not those, and we exclude those who are like, Lord, forgive us, have mercy upon us. Help us, Lord, to pray as we ought as you have taught us. Help us to live as we ought to your own glory and honor. Jesus, our Savior. Amen.